If you would, please, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20-31. But, I'm trying to bring this thing all together so that we have a picture of what the Apostle Paul's point and principle is. Um, and hopefully we'll get a better idea of the body of Christ, the privilege of being in the body of Christ, the power of the body of Christ, and our responsibility in the body of Christ, the provisions for the body of Christ, and uh, our response in light of what God has given us. Let's read the Word of the Lord, beginning at verse 20 to the end of chapter 12, and then we'll study verses 15 through 17. Yeah, I wasn't very good at math. But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lack, so that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show show you a still more excellent way. Father, help us to hear. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts open to your word. Father, knowing that the person of the Spirit indwelling your people, master us. Take this text. Help us to see. Help us to be. And help us to live in light of your holy word. In Christ's name, amen. If you missed last week's message, um, you're going to need it. Because it lays a frame. And if you look at what we've done in the book of, look at what I've done in the book of Corinthians. um, I took the text and went very small with it. And now I'm in the process of building it back out. And I've got it down to its bones. And actually... Some of you would say, no, you got to the marrow of the bone. And now it is time to come back out and hang this thing on it because I want you to look quickly at verse 12 of chapter 12, the end of the verse right there, because this is the key that has just overwhelmed me in the months that I have been looking at this text. It says, so also is Christ. Okay, what's he talking about here? The church. And what 
he, we, you and I need to be aware of is that there is no delineation between the person of Jesus Christ and the church. The church. All right? When you see the church, you see Christ. When you see Christ, you see the church. I mean, that goes back a few years. Genesis 2. Okay? Just a few. The two shall be one. And Paul says it's already there. Why? Because he started out saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware of this supernatural enabling, this supernatural ability, these spiritual gifts, these grace gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Why? Because they collectively manifest Christ. Okay? So what we've been looking at in chapter 12... Okay, is that there is a unity that exists. Okay, and he uses the analogy of what? The human body. And if you think about the human body, is there a unity that exists in the human body? Some of you say, oh, is this a trick question? I don't know. No, man, look at the human body. Yes, there is a unity. There is one life source in that human body, correct? It has one focus. It does this one thing. There it all is. But yet, in that unity, there is diversity. Right? All right? I mean, the the hands are different, but they're still both hands. The feet are different. They tell me that one one shoe is, or one foot is bigger than the other. I don't know all that stuff. Okay? But it takes up, you know, you've only got one liver and you've got two lungs and a heart and you've got all this other stuff and they are all diverse. They all have one life principle. They all are unified and yet they are diversified. Okay, so is Christ, a.k.a. the church. But then we looked and we seen that in this body analogy that it is unified and yet it is absolutely diversified it is still all under the sovereignty of God God places God chooses God does what God does it was his plan what the body the physical body yes the church body yes the body of Christ yes he does it exactly as he pleases all right and so when you have the unity and the diversity and understanding God's sovereignty, you will have harmony. And I'm setting the stage for harmony. If you understand the proper relationship, then you're going to understand the perfect provision. And if you understand the perfect provision, you'll have the proper response. And then the body of Christ, a.k.a. the church, will manifest Christ to who? Lost and dying world. Okay, now let me tell you something. There's only one reason that after your salvation, you're still here. You know that? One reason that you're still here. It ain't to worship. If I go to heaven, I can worship perfectly in heaven. Right? It isn't to praise It isn't to give. Okay? There's only one thing I can do here that I can't do in heaven perfectly. You know what that is? Reach the lost. 
There ain't no lost in heaven. Do you know that? Evangelist is out of a job when he gets to heaven. All right? So how do I reach the lost? Supernatural ability. And you know where it begins? Where does judgment begin? The house of God. All right? Where does evangelism begin? When a lost person comes into a body of people, sees these people all absolutely unified and yet diverse, all leaning full weight on the sovereignty of God, living in harmony. And they go, wow, wow. Okay, man longs for that. We got an organization in New York City called United Nations. Let me ask you a question. Are they? They don't even know how to spell United. Okay? And yet the whole world wants what? Unity. Can't we all just get along? Yes, we can. How? When I understand that we are united in the power of Jesus Christ, the indwelling of Jesus Christ, that our life principle is the person of Jesus Christ, understanding that each of us is unique, divine dignity is possessed by each and every child of God, I will understand the diversity of the body, and then I can back down and say, you know what, exactly what God deems is necessary has been given to each one, and they have each been placed exactly where God wants them for exactly what God wants them to accomplish, and He's empowered them to do exactly what He's done. That's cool. That makes for a lazy man. I don't want to do nothing. God's got her. All right? I don't want to know how to build a church. He does. He does it really cool. All right? He has a plan. I don't want a plan. Do you, do you grab a hold of that? When you grab that essence, then you will have a whole group of people that will not be based on their society, will not be based on their age, their marital status, or their lifestyles, or what they came out of, or what they're going to. They will live in absolute harmony and the world will stand in awe. look at what we've done you see what we've done to the body of christ well you have to have something for young married people you've got to have something for old married people you've got to have something for people who are widowers or widows you got to have something for kids you got to have something for big kids you got to have something for adults who act like kids Okay, do you realize how stupid it is when I hear a church say, we're going to do a demographic study and see what they need? Do you realize how arrogant that is? I can tell you what they need. Jesus. It's not complicated. But what did we manage to do with it? Well, but this... When I get a person who calls me up and says, what kind of worship do you have? Do you realize how hard it is for me these days not to just jump down their throats with both feet, kicking and screaming as I go? That is difficult for me. You're telling me what? Worship of God, creator, sustainer of the universe is based on music? 
Really? I'm thinking that that's going to get you in trouble. What did you just do? You just took an individual and says, we need to what? Mold to that person? What are you going to give them? Nothing. You can't. Why? You're feeding their flesh. When will the flesh be satisfied? It'll never be satisfied. And yet you and I exist in a society that's what we propagate. And I watch it, and I look at the church in Corinth, I look at the church in Castle Rock, and I say, you know what? We followed the Corinthians. Instead of us influencing our culture, we let our culture influence us. We've bought it, and we drag it in. It's the attitude of our society has been brought into the church. No different than the church in Corinth. The problem with the church in Corinth was there were schisms. There was divisions. There were some, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of Christ. I'm even more spiritual than you are. Not only that, they were saying, you know what? If you don't have some kind of gift that shows off that everybody can see and you can make a lot of noise, you ain't nothing. I see that today. The end of verse 12 says, as Christ. All right. He's talking about the manifestation of Christ in the city of Corinth was going to be done. How? First of all, supernatural abilities. All right. We have a society that wants to promote our independence. Right. Remember, we have that Independence Day that we celebrate July the 4th. That nobody really knows what the holiday is for. It's just fireworks, ain't it? Yeah, that's it. Pig roast. All right. We foster that. Um, and, and I've even heard it. I know a church here in Castle Rock that they built these huge classrooms. Okay. The smallest classroom they've got is probably the size of this room right here. Okay. And I said, dude, you've got like a serious bunch of people. He says, no. And I said, so why you got such a big room? And I mean, every classroom is that way. All right. He says, well, we probably have 10 people in each class. So why you got such big rooms? You were planning ahead that you're just going to reach everybody and you're going to have these big classes. No. He says, we did a study. Now think about this. This is a conservative evangelical church, E-Free Church. We did a study and it says that people who live out west don't like to be tied down. They don't want to be crowded. So we made big classrooms so that more would be enticed to come to Sunday school. What did I think of that? Okay. What did you just do? You bought a lie. All right. Now then, Paul uses the analogy of the human body. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. This is amazing stuff. Can independence exist in the human body? What if your liver decides it wants to be independent of the body? You're going to have a problem, okay? Aren't you? It says, I, I just don't want to be a part of this. Okay? Because when you think about this, this frame that I gave you last week, this unity, diversity, sovereignty, and harmony, is there any better illustration than the human body? The, the Corinthians were having trouble with this. I believe that the church in Castle Rock is having problems with this. 
what was happening is you had a division in the church that was individual, but yet could be collected into two groups. Okay. Um, you, instead of people ministering their gifts, you had people who I would call the spiritual proud, um, who felt like they were important and by me being important, I basically would look at somebody with a lesser gift, what I perceived as a lesser gift, and I would say, hey, I don't need you. You know, I was thinking about this, and I, I'm going to get in trouble for this. My wife, I kind of batted this around whether I wanted to share this or not. But I thought about it. I thought, you know what? It would be so phenomenal for the body of Christ if every individual in the body of Christ would be a pastor for one year. Okay, you got one year of being a pastor. You know why? You'll learn interdependence. Okay, in like a way you never dreamed. Okay, um, you'll, you'll learn what it means to be at the mercy of people. Okay, and we don't like that. Okay, I shared with you last week that we have people, we have three pastors in Russia, an orphanage, and a, a lady who's adopted from that orphanage, uh, a guy in Burma, um, and a few other odds and end places who are absolutely dependent on you and me. Throw into the mix, me. I am absolutely dependent on you. Okay, but I bet you... Many of you are not dependent on this body of people. And you will fall into one of these two groups that I'm going to deal with. I'll deal with one to, to, um, today and next week I'll deal with the other one. But they are basically this. And I'm talking about proper relationship. The proper relationship is the interdependence that is demanded by God for people in the body of Christ. Why? We are looking at the manifestation of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You want to reach the lost? That's how you're going to do it. Okay, instead of ministering their gift, you had proud people who are saying, we're important. We're important. You have those who don't have what I call the showy gift, the experiential gifts, the out front gifts. They're saying, hey, man, we don't matter. We're not needed. I don't need to be there. I don't have the gift of teaching or preaching or something like that. I don't need that. So if I'm going to be used in the body of Christ, then I need to seek something that's a little louder, showier, up front, out front, prideful. Okay? you got these two groups. you got the people who have and the have-nots. Let me ask you a question. How unified are you? How unified are you? And I tell you what, Paul does an amazing... Oh, what he does in this text... These concluding verses of chapter 12, I'm still standing in awe of. Because he just, you talk about hitting the proverbial nail on the head. He hits it. Instead of recognizing that God had ordered them and had put them in an individual in their own uniqueness where he is sovereign to use them to his glory, to his benefit, to his plan and his power, where it would produce this harmony... People were running around saying, 
I have this gift and I'm more important than you. And other people run around saying, I don't have that gift. I want to be important. I want to be used more by God. How's come? I want that gift. Listen, you don't, that's alive and well today. There's a church here in Castle Rock a few years ago on Mother's Day. They gave the mothers a treat. They'd taken all the little darlings, kids, and they brought all the kids out and showed them how they all now can speak in tongues. And everybody was thrilled. Okay. Who got the gift of interpreting? Somebody had to get the gift of interpreting. Because if we all end up being an eye, what do we got? An eyeball. That's what you got. What does it do? It looks. For what reason? No purpose. If you all have the gift of languages, what are you going to do? I know what you're going to do. When a lost person comes in, they're going to think you're mad. And I'm going to sit with them and say, they are. Okay? Paul is basically straightening this out. Let me give you these verses because I'm going I'm, I'm to keep coming back in. I'm going to keep going back out. In 12 and 13, we see the unity. All right? In verse 14, we see that there is diversity. Okay? We've seen the sovereignty in verses 18, 24, and 28. Okay? You see the harmony touched on in verse 15. Look what it says. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. That's the harmony. You can't say, the foot says, I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Really? Then what the heck are you? You're part of the body. You're right there with the body. That's what he's getting at here. And he has these two angles. People who thought they were nothing, I'm not important, and they envied the showier people, and you have those who think they're something. And actually, this text will say that those who are out front, those who have the, the quote, look at spiritual gifts and serving gifts and speaking gifts. Most people today want which of those two? Don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. Do not deceive yourself on this. Most people today, if you have the choice between a serving gift or a speaking gift, in my humility, I just want a serving gift. You're lying. You want a speaking gift. Why? I want to stand up in front and act like I can say something. I remember my grandpa told me one time, it's better to be quiet and thought stupid than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay, try it with Jesus once. Try it to do what I'm doing, saying, thus saith the Lord. That's why James says a teacher will be what? Judge more harshly. Uh, I do uh, some stuff down at the Ponderosa Challenge Course. And there's this thing that we call Lowe's. And they're just uh, a series of, of uh, problems that the people have to work out. The group has to work out. And it's, it's for team building. Okay, and when you get teenagers in there, uh, they're all talking and they all have it all figured out. And I have a response that I always make. Okay, and here's the response I always make. God gave you how many ears? And how many mouths? One. So which should you be doing twice as much of? Okay, take that same mentality and ask yourself in the body of Christ, you have speaking gifts and serving gifts. Which one do you suppose should be the most of? Okay, why would we propagate to try to make people be a bunch of teachers and preachers? 
Why are there 56 churches in Castle Rock right now? Evangelical churches. I'm not talking about Mormons and Catholics and JWs and all them other things. I'm talking about evangelical churches. I mean, you ask some of them are charismatic, some of them are or all the rest of it. Why? I think we've got too many people talking. We've got way too many people talking. Why? It is a pride issue. It is a pride issue. Okay? Let me show you this. I, want to, I just want to kind of bring this in together because I want to draw it through. Fifteen is the people who would classify themselves as the have-not. Here's the problem with the have-nots. They become envious. They become envious. They miss the part of diversity and the part of sovereignty. Okay? If the foot says, I'm not a foot, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does it make it true? If I have a gift that has, hasn't got any pizzazz or flash to it, does that make me any less a part of the body of Christ? Not only that, what you're going to see in this text is those who have less pizzazz have greater honor. Greater honor. You know what? When we get to heaven, you know what the greatest shock is going to hit us? The, who gets what rewards? The reward, the Bema judgment. Remember, write this verse down. Don't ever forget this verse. Put it on your forehead. Write it backwards so when you look in the mirror, you can see it. Because if not, then I don't know what it's like. 015 Corinthians 2. Okay, which would be the opposite of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, All will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what they have done in the body, whether good or bad. Do you understand who all is? It would be all. All believers will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account. Okay? You have people who are in the body of Christ who are feet and hands. All right? Let's start with the foot. Okay? Let me ask you something about the foot. What does the foot do? Okay, let me ask you this. Let me try it from this perspective. How many of us are attracted to feet? If you are, we need to talk. Okay, you have issues. Okay, I mean, normally we keep them covered. And we have nice looking feet covers, shoes. Okay, now I won't make the joke about the women and the men and none of that stuff. I'm not, gonna, I'm not that stupid. Danny looks at me. Danny, go look in the closet see how many female shoes there are, how many male shoes there are. I rest my case. Okay, but even when the foot is exposed, do we, I'm attracted to that. I'm drawn to that. No, you're not. In the writing of the Corinthian church... Your shoes just basically got you from point A to point B. How much honor do you give your feet? I put a sock on it. (laughs) Don't I? I try to keep it off of gravel. But do you really pay attention to your feet? No, it is a second nature thing. It gets up, it puts its heel down, it rolls through, it steps forward and it goes on. And if the foot says, you know, I don't like
like being a foot because I'm not a hand. Now think about this for a second because this is a perfect analogy. Your hands we pay more attention to, don't we? I mean, listen, have you ever seen the wedding pictures, people, things? They take that one and, and they'll lay the hands with the, the ring thing on there and in front of the, I don't know how they do it, with the marriage license and they lay it up there and they take the picture. You don't ever see them doing that with a foot? <laughs> hey, look, that nice ring. Ugly feet. Right? But let me ask you a question. Hand or foot? Does that make them any less part of the body? How much honor do we give our feet? Very little. I mean, it's a good illustration when you really think about it. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it doesn't make it any less a part of the body. That's what Paul's argument is. I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of it. I'm not a, you know, you can't, if I can't be a hand, I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. You know what? Most of the times, I guarantee you, you're not even aware of what your feet are doing. You step on a nail. Oh, I wonder what my foot is doing. (laughs) Listen, what he's saying here, what his analogy there you see laid out is that no member, okay, in the body of Christ. Now, I'm talking about somebody who's saved. I'm not talking about lost people. Lost people don't fit this. This is saved people. No member... By complaining or depreciating their own importance can accomplish removal from the body. Okay? Just because you don't think you're important does not eliminate you of your responsibility. That's what Paul is saying. You are responsible to function the way God has called you and I to function. In the giftedness that he has given, in the position that he has given, in the church that he has given, and we are responsible for that. I see him get into the corner and say, I'm not, I'm a foot and nobody even likes feet. And you know, he said he put a sock on it. And uh, I don't want to do that no more. I'm going to sit over here. I'm not going to be a part of it no more. You know what? It doesn't make you any less a part of the body. It does make you something, though. They call it disobedient. Disobedient. That's 2 Corinthians 5.10. You cannot remove yourself from a God-given responsibility simply because you're not happy with what you are. That's what Paul's saying. Not only that, you're breaking the harmony. You're not being used for what you've been given. A foot wanting to remove itself, God made the foot. Got it? God made you. Do you understand that? I want you to look at the group that is here today. You were made exactly as God designed it. Do you know what is even crazier than that? You were placed here in this body of believers Basically, as God said, this is what I want done because I want this local assembly to be the illustration of the Lord Jesus Christ, be the manifestation of Christ, and each one of you is absolutely vital. Do you know how ignorant, how arrogant it is and ignorant and ridiculous to say that I have a ministry? We have a ministry. I don't.
don't have a ministry to Russian pastors. We have a ministry to Russian pastors. You really think that I... I think tomorrow I'll go to Orel and teach. No. If I don't have your support, I don't do that. I can't do that. You know why? You guys have given me the privilege to have the time to look at this book, to tear it apart, so that I have the ability to pour out over it and take that and pour it to whoever comes into my life. Without you doing what you do, I don't get this. I don't have the time for it. Do you understand that? Do you realize on a weekly basis, it takes me 30 to 35 hours to get this Sunday morning message together? Okay? What do I do for Sunday night? What do I do for Sunday school? What do I do for Monday night? What do I do for Tuesday night? How about that Wednesday night thing? Do you see how many hours you just looked at? I can't do that without your help. It's impossible. It's impossible. You have a God-given responsibility. God created you exactly as you are. He brought you here exactly as you are. And when I hear these people say, I'm looking for a church, are they that hard to find? I I don't know. I've been in one church for an awful long time. I don't have anywhere else to go. Not some of you say, well, let us make a suggestion. Um, a foot wanting to remove itself, God made it. It's vital. Look what the verse 16 says. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? You know what I'd say there? We're never satisfied. Let's say, okay, you're a foot. God says, fine, quit your belly aching. I'll make you a hand. But what do you look like? A foot stuck on the end of an arm. And what does that mean? I can walk on my hands. (laughs) All that you're seeing here is jealousy. What your gift is, is essential, it is needed, and it brings about in the individual divine dignity. God wants it, and it has to be there, and there's no sense in sitting in the corner. You can't sit on the sidelines. Church is an interactive place. But today what we've managed to do is that if I can get enough butts in the pews, I can get enough money to buy ministers. And then I can sit out there and you can receive ministry. When you think of the word ministry, footnote, serve. The people don't want to serve. I want to hire servants. Basically, when I go out, I got a youth pastor and an old pastor, a young pastor and a sing pastor and a choir pastor and a pastor this, a pastor that, pastor. You know what you're telling me? We don't want to do this. So I'll give enough money and I get enough people to do it. What are you saying? I have a gift. I just don't feel like using it. I'm not a hand or I just, just a foot. 
Listen, I see that so many, so, so many, and I see some for years and years and years and years who sit in the corner. Well, I'm just not important. And they envy. That's sin. They sit in the corner and you know what? You're disobedient. And you know what? If you don't take the first step to do what God has gifted you and put you in the body for, you ain't going to do nothing. You will sit over there. But you know what? I rejoice because 2 Corinthians 5.10 says you're going to stand before him and explain it. Let me ask you a question. I've been in this church for a long time. And I've got to ask this, and you don't have to answer. You just, I just want you to think about the question that's being asked. How many have known in this body of people the joy of ministry? Okay? No, 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 no. Let me make it specific. How many have known the joy of serving? And I already dealt with this in the past. If you think that you can come to me and say, where would you like me serve? You ain't going to get no answer. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. All right? I, I am amazed that people don't know what their spiritual gift is. Well, I don't know what it is. I can tell you why you don't know what it is. Because you're probably sitting over in the corner saying, I ain't got one of them. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to sit here. Why? Well, I'll think of something. Well, there just isn't anything to do. Really? Really? How many have thought that they have no need for a foot or I have no need for an ear? Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Clear. You know what he's saying here? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in the world. To have a whole, trape out a whole bunch of kids and say, look, all these kids can now speak in tongues. So what do you got? A bunch of gibberish that accomplishes what? Nothing. We don't have no interpretation. What are they saying? It's like having children. Have you ever seen parents of young children? Their kids can say this noise and the parent interprets. Okay? And you stand there going, what? Why? You stayed around it long enough, it's starting to make sense to you. Right? I mean, when my kids went, yaga, goo, goo. My wife would say, well, what they're saying is, they're saying, gaga, goo, goo. All right, what is the point of that? I don't know. I see my kids invent words. You know, that ain't a word. Hey, it works. But if we're all trying to do that, what do we end up with? There are large groups of people who think we all have to have the same gift. In chapter 13, verse 4, he's going to deal with this. We really should take the chapter breaks out of 12, 13, and 14 because it all runs together because he's still dealing with the issue of the church. And 4, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag, nor is it arrogant. You know what it means? It doesn't envy anything. Why? There's no place for this. Listen, you have been placed in this body of people for God's purpose, God's reason, and God's power. Okay, and you need to be content with where you're at, what you're doing and why you're doing it. All right. Not complacent. But content. 
Listen, the body can't be one eye. All right? You know, it's it's just an eye. Just lay here and see what I miss. No, you can't do that. One organ, no matter how important or no matter how less important, okay, can survive alone. I see many in the church today who want to try to survive alone. Hey, here, stay here. See if I miss anything. But we want to be alone. There's no such thing as a spiritual loner. Dependence. There needs to be a growing, intense, tremendous sense of our dependence on one another. That's why I said everybody ought to be a pastor for one year. You will understand how dependent you are. In the body of Christ, we have been placed and we take responsibility. Here's what we've managed to do. We've hung price tags on spiritual gifts. I think that this spiritual gift is more valuable. And this text tears that apart, literally obliterates that thinking. Why? He's even saying that the gifts that are out front and showier are of less honor. Let me tell you something. Take the analogy of the human body. All right? There's parts of the human body that's kind of fun. I mean, I like looking at the skin. Some skin is a little better than others, but for the most part. Have you ever looked underneath it? Man, that's some butt-ugly stuff there now. Ain't it? I mean, gee whiz. I'm glad you packaged that thing. But let me tell you something. You can take a big chunk of that skin and slice it and you don't die. Take the lungs out and see what happens. Which one has more honor? Lungs do. Lungs do. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Skin art has its on Everybody goes, oh, pretty skin. But you don't say, man, that is the best looking liver I've ever seen. Okay, but I tell you what, take the liver out and look what you get. Okay, which one do you need more of? Pretty eyes. Beautiful eyes. What about the kidneys? If they're not doing their job, guess what? The eyes go dark. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? That's the analogy the Apostle Paul's living here. You guys are all wanting to tout the the stuff, the external, the experiential. Look at that. That's great. And he said, let me tell you something. The ones you can't see, the seemingly ones, the the nasty ones, and I'll deal with this more in, in depth. They are deserved of what? More honor. No, no, no. More honor. More protection. Okay? You know my skin is an organ? You know what it's there for? Protect the inside. But you know what? If you take the bone out, what do you got? A sack? Right? But nobody goes out and says, man, that is the nicest looking femur I've ever seen in my life. Do they? They don't. That's what he's trying to say. Listen, this thing is made the way God wants it done. Let me show you. This is so cool. Well, you guys, the illustration is great. Me and Paul are way too much. Anyway, but now God has placed the members, verse 18, each one of them in the body, just what? As he desires. It's as God pleases. Why? 
You know, because let me ask you a question. If he left us here to figure it out, how well would we do? Who's going to line up? I want to be the liver. Nobody. Nobody's going to line up to be the liver. I don't want to be the liver. It filters everything. That's nasty. Okay, I've seen what this fool takes in. Okay, it's like the oil filter in a car. You know, people eat that. And that's, I think oil filter in a car. No, no, no. That's got stuff in there that you don't even... No, I don't want that. I think, well, we come up with the term bile. Bile? Think about that word. Anyway, we're getting off track here. All right. We can't all be the same, right? We can't all be the same. All right, you know, um, some of you guys know Wayne, Wayne Barber. Wayne Barber is as gift, has the same gifting as that I have. And yet if you look at us, at us I mean, besides size, um, you know, he's big and huge and I'm just standing there. Um, our gifting, prominent color, primary colors are the same, okay? And yet Wayne is as diverse to me as I am to him. And I mean, we have a lot of the same likes. We like to hunt and fish and do as little as physically possible, uh, a few other odds and ends like that. But we still have that same mentality. But we're different. We're different. His gifting, his calling, his equipping is different than my gifting and my calling and my equipping. See, I can fit in commercial seats. He has to fly first class. There's an implication there, and I don't want to get into it. Listen, God didn't say, I want you to be organized. He says, I want you to be an organism. I am desperately dependent on every single one of you. Did you know that? Every single one of you. When I think about this, okay, there is a gift that is out there that I cherish the most. Now, this is just personally me, okay? And, 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 but this gift I cherish the most. Uh, I, I lean to these people the most. And, and you know what? I, I kind of look at them as the blood of the body. Okay, that's, that's how I view them. Okay, it's the life, the life flowing through the body. Uh, yes, I understand Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's all. But there's one gift particularly that is out there. And the, the God... Is so gracious to me that I've been involved with one, two, three, four, five men who have had this gift. Amazing gift. Okay? You know what it is? It's the gift of faith. You know what the gift of faith is? They pray. I believe that that gift will get more rewards in heaven than any other single gift. Okay, here's why. That person who goes over here and everything that comes into their life, they take it before God. Little bitty things, great big things. Okay, a lot of us, we pray. I, I bet everybody in this room prays. Okay, and you probably become a prayer warrior when it gets hot, don't you? It starts flushing and you can see the, you got your finger in the dike and all of a sudden you realize there's a big old crack over your head and all the rest of it. You just get right after it or you go in, you got this pain right here in your abdomen and you feel a lump and they're going in an ultrasound and you become a prayer warrior. But there are people out there who are supernaturally empowered to pray. 
And they pray about everything. Little things. I mean, silly things. I look at silly. That's silly. But they pray about that stuff. Okay? And they are so in tune to what God is doing. Okay, now here's the trouble that happens with this gift. We don't think it's important. So I have this gift. If I call for a group to come together to pray, how many is going to show up? How many is going to show up? But have you ever thought that the bigger the group comes together, God looks at the unity of that group, the harmony of that group, the sovereignty He has poured into it, the diversity that is in that group, and He answers that prayer in a magnificent way. How much more glory is there in that for him? Well, I went over here and prayed. I prayed for this thing for four years. I never told anybody. And then God answered it. And I come out and say, hey, I prayed for that. And we all look at him like, sure you did. Tragedy is, in my life, Four of these individuals have gone glory. I only got one left. Okay? These four, these five, if I said, I want you to pray about this, I knew as soon as I hung up, boom, they're on their knees in the throne room of Jesus Christ. You know what? Four of them have got a whole bunch of rewards right now. Because I watched prayer get answered in ways that I just sit there in awe of. Fifth still laboring at it. Why do we... Verse 19. Why would we chase gifts? If we were all one member, where would the body be? If we were all one eye, if we all had one gift, what good are we? Verse 20. But now there are many members... But one body. Back that up to verse 12. What does verse 12 say? So also is Christ. That's the sum of his point there in 20. He's saying, if you think that you're not that important, then you're saying that God's sovereign design for you really wasn't that big a deal. That's what you're saying. Okay, basically, 15 through 20. Your relationship needs to be looking this way. Don't ever underestimate your importance. Don't ever underestimate your importance. Not only that, you're going to see it here in the weeks to come that you who are behind the scenes, okay, are of greater honor in the body of Christ than the person who's up front. Do you know that? You know, and I'm going to embarrass her with this, but I'm going to use it anyway. <clears throat> Stephanie does more in this church than you'll ever dream of. Okay? And she's going to throw something at me. You can't hit me. I've seen you throw. <laughs> she throws like a girl. Um, she does. She's even got a gun in there she can't hit me with. Anyway. When I think about the burden that she removes from my work, 
okay, uh, filing my uh, sermons. Uh, there's times that I've called her and say, I need you to look in this sermon notebook and or this text that I was teaching out somewhere else, and I need help. What did, what did I say? <laughs> and that kind of stuff. She, she helps me stay organized. And you have no idea what a job that is. <laughs> okay, I mean, you're clueless. And then, uh, then I keep just throwing stuff at her. Hey, look, we got this money. We'll get a resource library and all these books, and you can take care of the orders. <laughs> well, I'm moving on. And she just looks at me and says, well, I mean, I left. I had to go up and, and work in the mountains last week. And, and I said, when I get back, I'd like to have an insert of this book resource stuck into the bulletin, okay? Okay, she had to go through and price it and how much shipping was costing us and da da da. She, she, you know, I went through and said, I want these books. Okay, here, you go find the right, the cheapest price and the shipping and get them to us. Okay, and then I left. Listen, there's some others of you who do that too. You know what is amazing though that you don't understand? There are some of you who minister to me and you never know you're ministering to me. Okay. Do you know that you just being here ministers to me? Did you know that? Your presence ministers to me. Don't ever think that your gift is less than important. What you're going to find out is that when you start thinking about the great preachers of God... Charles Spurgeon or Jonathan Edwards or Dr. Olford or just go down the list. You're going to find out that when you get to glory, that there's going to be people like Vicki Kroll, who was Stephen Olford's homiletic secretary, has more rewards than Dr. Olford. Why? She was a woman of faith. She never married, ever. Why? My ministry is to that man, that preacher. And she said, I will not have time to, to deal with him and deal with a husband too. So I'm submitted to Christ, and this man is my protector. And you just sit there and go, well, well he's got a wife. I'm not his wife. I am his secretary. Okay? They, I wish... I, do you know how the bulletins come together? I don't. <laughs> I just... Look, bulletins. Cool. They even got the text that I'm teaching on. I don't know how they come together. I know that some everybody's out getting music and they stick the music in and I look, wow, that's cool songs. I don't know how that all works. Okay? Do you know who cuts the grass? Did you know that the church, it doesn't grow here. It stays at one constant height. It never changes. No, man, that sucker grows. I, still, I think we ought to just blacktop and paint it green. But anyway, um, well, low maintenance. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? There are gifts in the body of Christ that you would look at and say, is that really that big a deal? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Take the human body analogy, take the church, line the two up together, and say, how many gifts do you see externally? How many gifts are there internally? Okay, then ask yourself the simple question. When it comes to the externals, which of them can be removed and the body still be alive when it comes to the internals 
which of them can be removed and the body stays alive. And then you start looking at the illustration here that the Apostle Paul gives. And I ask myself this, do I understand my relationship among the saints of God? Very simple, really. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Paul. Uh, Father, and I thank you for the body, the church. Father, I think about even in this group who sits here today, um, so many of these people have ministered to me, uh, some in ways that they know, they understand. Some have helped me with heavy loads. Father, some don't know. Father, um, I beg your forgiveness that I have not expressed that enough. Father, I pray that uh, you give me the opportunity to walk with these people. Father, I understand that I am absolutely nothing. I understand that completely. And yet, Father, you have put me in a body of Christ. And Father, I... That's, uh... That's overwhelming. My Lord, my Savior, you've gathered these people together to be the manifestation of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Father, may they never feel inadequate. May they never feel inferior. May they never feel unappreciated, even though in my feebleness I may not say it enough. Father, there are so many people in this church doing so much. And yet, Father, there are some who are on the sidelines. Father, those on the sidelines, Lord, may today be the day that they step up. Father, those who are laboring, may they not grow weary. May they understand that the divine energy source is only you. And Father, may we love one another as you love your church. And may we be able to reach a lost and dying world. The impact and the power and the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ and him alone. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this day. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for the amazing things you have done. And thank you for the amazing things you will do. And I praise you and cherish the time we have. Father, may uh, we press on to the upward calling of Christ. To your glory. Amen.